Welcome to another edition of the Super Flight Podcast, your Liechtenstein of NBA podcasts. Because, like Liechtenstein, this podcast is sometimes very graphic, although not like dirty graphic. You'd, you'd have to look up to look up Liechtenstein. You'll see what I mean. Anyway, what's up, everybody? It's your host Joe Borelli coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is Monday, April twenty third, twenty eighteen, and it is a beautiful day outside. And I am going to skip the big intro this this fine afternoon because James Herbert of CBS Sports was wonderful enough to come on and and spread his knowledge about the playoffs with me and it's a really long conversation that i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed um so give a listen hang out just hang all the way to the end because there's some really good sixers talk at the end so try not to lose the thread uh in the meantime right after this we'll be right back Hello. Why, hello, James. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. Thanks for, uh, I gotta say, I was floored when I asked you on Twitter and you said yes so readily. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Why? Why? It's not like, it's not like you have like 10 followers and like you doing your first episode ever. Like you seem to have an established thing going. I'm not going to say no unless you seem like an asshole, which you don't. So I I don't think most people would call me an asshole, but uh, there probably are a few. (laughs) Don't talk. I mean, people people always say like, I don't know. I think everybody can be an asshole in the right circumstances, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, People give me the like, you're Canadian, you're nice thing. And I'm just like, yeah, like I'm nice to you. Like I'm going to be nice normally, but I think that's how most people should be. But I can also like whine and complain about shit. Anyway. You mean um, both. No, no, no. That's good stuff. (laughs) I I don't know. I think I've got whining Um, down, man. Like it's, that's my zone right there. That's what I do. I whine. Should we just do a whole podcast full of like just gripes? I'm totally, I'm with it. You want to do it? Let's go. <laughs> First gripe, what do you got? <laughs> uh, I'm just mad there's four games on Thursday. I already tweeted about it today. It's going to inconvenience me. I can't watch them all at the same time. I'm expected to watch all of them. I'd like to watch all of them, right. but not on the same night. I, I get it on the weekend, but on a Thursday? Yeah. it's and They're overlapping? It's no. tough. Who who is playing with that? I mean, I haven't even had a second to look at the schedule. To be honest with you, um, let me pull it up. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna look at it too right now, it's, real quick. Oh, it's not even. Th- it's Wednesday. I misspoke. Oh. Are we recording? Or are we just chatting? Yeah, I both. 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 I okay. Can, I can cut anything you want out. No, whatever. Um, Wednesday at seven on NBA TV is Wizards Raptors, which will anger the entire country of Canada because they're relegated to NBA TV. Um. Following them on NBA TV at 9.30 is Jazz Thunder, which I'm pretty surprised they got that slot because Rockets-Wolves is at TNT, and that and that at the same time, that's a much less interesting series. Yeah. And I did this in a weird order, but it's seven. Uh, it's Pacers-Cavs game six, which, you know, it's LeBron. He's, that makes sense. I just don't, I don't want to have to choose between that and the Wizards-Raptors game at the same time. But if you had to choose, which one are you going to go for? I mean, it, the honest answer to that question is like, it's not going to be my decision. It's going to be like what CBS wants me to write about. And like, it depends on like who else is writing that night. Um, <laughs> I I would guess that I would wind up writing about the Cavs, but uh, I don't know. Fair. Well, you know, speaking of let's, I wanted to ask you, you know what, before we go any further, James Herbert, thank you for coming on the super flight. Uh, 
an esteemed guest. Uh, I'm a big fan of you, yours, your writing, and your former podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Tell Thank you people... for the kind intro. Oh, sure. Of course. I could have done better. I'm sorry. I was a little sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell everybody that listens to me where they can find your work. Uh, CBSSports.com slash NBA. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Outside the NBA, a handle that really doesn't make any sense anymore, but I just, I haven't found a better one to change it to. Uh, and yeah, I'd advertise a podcast, but I don't have a podcast anymore. So, so yeah. But I on basketball was great. I was so sad when you guys left the podcast. I was sad too, man. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, that, that actually reminds me of us. You know, every time I think of your Twitter handle, I think of this years ago, a friend, the reason I started this podcast was a friend of mine and I talked about basketball all the time. And mm -hmm. he was like, why don't we just do a podcast about it? Like everybody does now. Somebody tweeted on Twitter that like starting a podcast is the new let's get into a band. Right. Mm -hmm. which, which I've done both of now. Uh, <laughs> so one is probably cooler. Is it, though? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on the band. It depends on the podcast. Exactly. My bands were never very good. But anyway, um, so we were talking one year and it was he was a Trailblazers fan and. I was saying that, oh, yeah, CBS Sports doesn't give the Blazers much of a chance in this series. This is back with Aldridge and stuff in the yeah. playoffs this year. And he said, and I hope he doesn't listen to this, but we don't really talk anymore anyway, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, oh, I'm sorry, what 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 games does uh, CBS have? As if that's, you know, delegitimizing everything that CBS wrote. So outside the NBA makes perfect sense to me. But also, ever since that comment, I was like, you know what? That's going to be my go-to now. Screw you. So. No, like, he's totally right. Like, since we don't have NBA rights at CBS, I just don't watch the games. I'm just <laughs> yes. squarely focused on CBS programming and making up everything that I say about the NBA. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, so anyway, there's that. Tell me about how you got. Tell. Let's talk about you, because I'm really interested in you. <laughs> OK. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's. How did you get into writing? How did you get into writing for CBS? Um, I mean, the CBS thing came later, but like, it's probably not that different from like you starting a podcast, uh, with your friend. Like I was podcasting, like when I was like living with my mom, like in the basement with a couple of friends and blogging for outside the NBA.com, which does not exist anymore. Um, just sort of my own site. And, um, it, I, I don't know. I like, I was really active on NBA Twitter um, at the same time as I started blogging and I sort of decided I'm just going to give this a whirl and try to pour myself into this as much as I can. I had like a crappy social media job, um, at the time and I would be coming home and like staying up really late and writing about games. And I, I wasn't as consistent with it as I liked, but it sort of slowly built, um, to the point where, I was producing a video podcast for a beloved blog at the time called Hoopspeak. It was called Hoopspeak Live. Mm -hmm. And then I was writing for a beloved blog called Hardwood Paroxysm, both of which were on the True Hoop Network. And through that, I did some freelance stuff for ESPN because those were the opportunities afforded to True Hoop Network bloggers. Um, we could talk about that whole era for – like that could be a whole podcast if you wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> and then – uh, through my work at HP, SB Nation gave me an opportunity to write some features for them regularly, and that's 
um, when I sort of started to establish myself in this little world as like a feature writer, Q&A guy, like who actually wants to go to games and um, talk to people and write stories and do some more in-depth stuff. And from there, uh, CBS needed to fill a role when um, Royce Young got hired away uh, by ESPN, like right as the playoffs started. Um, a few years ago is the year when KD won his MVP mm-hmm. and I was in the middle of writing, I was covering a, uh, the, the Raptors first appearance back in the playoffs. I was still living in Toronto. Um, they were playing the nets and I was writing like a story for ESPN and a story for SB nation after every game. And I was covering practices. And while I was at one of these practices, I got an email from Matt Moore, um, who at the time was a senior writer for CBS and he had like a long time before that he had like sort of reached out to gauge if I'd ever have interest in going to CBS. I was like, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was basically like, Hey, has anybody hired you yet? Please God say they haven't. And I was like, no. (laughs) And then over the course of the next week I had a couple interviews and then suddenly it was like literally like game seven of the Raptors series. They lost to the Nets and then the next day I was working at, at CBS full time and I was covering like the like Dwayne Casey, like talking to the media, like sort of RIP this Raptors season for CBS. And it all happened like the whole thing was slow. But like when I actually got the job, it felt like it was just happening like way too fast for me to process anything. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. I think that's that's typically what happens, right? Like you want something so badly and you work so hard for it when you finally get it you're like what is happening i don't know what's going on right now (laughs) yeah it was super weird it was just like a crazy time like i'd never covered the playoffs before Mm -hmm. um i was trying to get as much out of it as i possibly could and just trying to sort of be everywhere at the same time and all of a sudden i had this job opportunity that i was really hoping would work out and it it worked out. I got super lucky and I've just sort of hung on to this job ever since. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I hate it. I hate it when people say that it was luck. I mean, of course, like there's being in the right situation in the right moment in the right time. Right. But you also had to work really hard for that. Right. Like were you, it's always both. Yeah. It's always both. I'm not trying to be like Mr. Humble. Like I didn't work for this. Blah, blah, blah. Right, like right. just the universe <laughs> shone this great opportunity. No, like, um, I mean, in some ways I, had opportunities others didn't have because I was privileged and could afford to write stuff for basically nothing for a long time. And I don't want to ignore that part of it. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but I mean, yeah, like it was the kind of thing where like all of my life I was like a huge basketball fan. And like when I was a kid, if anyone asked me what I wanted to do, it was always like, well, I want to be in the NBA. Like what if that doesn't happen? (laughs) Well, I want to be around basketball in some way. (laughs) Like I want to, you know what I mean? And like, but I never, like once I, got to like high school and college and I, I was never actually thinking about that as like a serious thing that I could do. I was just like, that that's not possible. You can't be one of those people. But then it's weird, like sort of like when I was in that kind of like, I don't know where my life is going sort of phase working at this social media company. I was like watching the basketball Jones every day. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, these are some dudes that are like around my age that are living in the same city that are just like talking about basketball every day. There were some other writers and bloggers that I was like, I didn't think I was as good as them, but I was like, I can at least like approximate what they're doing. And if I work at it, like maybe I can do this. Um, and it it sort of started to seem like if, if I actually gave this a shot, maybe it would be 
attainable. That's what it sort of felt like on the internet at that time. Right. Um, now I think it feels a little different for people who are starting because you're just seeing people like talented people getting laid off all the time and it's like really terrifying. Um, but I think the internet in general feels like a less sort of welcoming place than it did um, <laughs> eight, eight, nine years ago. And like when, when I started getting into it, like it did, there was a sense that like, oh, like shit, like that blogger that I read just got hired by ESPN or CBS or SI or right. whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew it was hard, but I at least thought like, I, I at least knew what I wanted to do. And I always knew, um, the one thing I always knew is that I wanted to be covering games. I wanted to be there. I didn't want to just sit at home and write analysis and do stats focused stuff. And like, I do some of that to this day, but right. I didn't want that to be it. And I think that's when I like tried to separate myself was like, I'm going to get in there. And when I get an opportunity, I'm going to try to like interview people and try to have longer conversations and more in-depth conversations and ask better questions than other people. And then if that can be my edge, then hopefully that's what people will notice me for. It seems like you're succeeding pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, you and I have an amazingly similar journey. I started out wanting to be an artist and musician and here I am talking basketball with you. So <laughs> <laughs> not similar at all, but anyway, <laughs> Um, but I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And like, it's, it's encouraging. Like anytime you hear a success story out of someone, like I love to talk to people about like what, what motivated you? How did you get here? Like, you know, yeah. how did you do this? And it's, it's always, uh, encouraging for me, even at this late stage in my life. Um, I'm, I'm in my forties now, I'm very old, uh, <laughs> very, so, you're ancient. Yeah. Ancient. Yeah. Uh, I had to retire from basketball cause well, mostly because I'm terrible at it, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, my body's getting old. Uh, but it's always encouraging to like see that, you know, people can do whatever they want in life. You just have to really try hard. And yeah, there there is the luck aspect, I guess, that comes into it and, and to be able to, to be in the right place at the right time. But like really working at something that you want, I think is uh, you're a testament to that. And I think it's great. And I think it's a great story. So thank you for sharing. Well, I appreciate it. And I don't know, like, I don't feel like it's weird because like I have this job that I'm like, super grateful for and i kind of like i don't know how it happened um in a, sort, <laughs> in, a, in a certain way like i don't talk about how it happened that often so this is kind of fun um but at the same time it's like i'm still trying to like i don't know like i still even though i'm like working at cbs like that's like when people say like the national media or the mainstream media like i don't really think of myself that way mm -hmm. like i sort of feel like when i'm writing i'm trying to like Oftentimes it's like I'm sort of reacting to what the national media is saying. Like I'm trying to do something a little different or I'm trying to provide a different angle or a different story that wouldn't be written somewhere else or whatever. Like I still but but I, I also feel the responsibility of, of working at a major site as well. So it, right. it's, it's a kind of weird thing where like I want to sort of be like the, the punk band on a major label or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. You want to be Green Day. I get it. No, I don't want to be. <laughs> Uh, no, but <laughs> bad comp. I don't know. I don't know. Green Day. Who maybe, doesn't love Green Day? Be honest. A Come certain, on. a certain. Okay. I don't. I, I don't know if that's a perfect comp. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm kidding. Not, not taking shots. I don't know. I don't know what what band I would be. Um, but you know, you get what I'm saying though. Like I don't. I don't like. I yeah, totally. I have the level of self awareness to know like 
I'm fucking like I'm not Kevin Arnovitz. I'm not Zach Lowe. I'm not like I'm not at that stage where it's like my people are going to read something just like not not that everything they write isn't that they those guys write isn't worth reading because I consume it all. But I'm saying like people are the selling point of like my article is not going to be like, oh, James Herbert wrote about the jazz. You have to go read that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's got to be there's got to be something some sort of angle there that is going to grab people. I get it. I get it. That's fair. And that's, the, you know, the thing is, like, it sounds like you, like most successful people or like most even NBA players, like you always want to get better. You always want to do something more. You always want to push that envelope. Right. So yeah. it sounds like that's what you're talking about. And that, that to me is awesome. I don't, you know, I read your, um, I mean, I've read a bunch of your stuff, obviously, but uh, recently, as in like 10 minutes ago, I read your rights to Ricky <laughs> Sanchez one. I started reading it like a couple of weeks ago or whenever it came. I guess it was like two weeks ago. Right. Like, yeah, like a week and a half ago. It came out, like, right before the playoffs started, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just hadn't had the time to get through it because I started reading It's long. It. It, it's long, <laughs> but it's great. It's great. I mean, I obviously have been following those guys for as long as they've been on the air. I've been listening to to Spike since he did his other podcast. But yeah. um, they, they're great. They're amazing. And, like, I think you did a really good job of that. And uh, that's definitely an angle that not many writers would take. And, honestly, I'm really jealous of anybody that can write because – like I had to do a paper in grad school that was 25 pages long, but that was a slog and I, it was awful. And if you had read it, you would, <laughs> you would laugh your ass off, right? I'm not a good writer, so I can talk, I think. Uh, so I just do that thing and then have people on that can write and know what they're talking about. Like you on my podcast to inform me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, the Ricky one was like super fun for me. And the, the reaction, like especially from Ricky listeners has been really cool. Cause like I've listened to that podcast forever and you know, I'd read a couple of the stories that had come out about them, but most of the, it was like local stories. Like look at these podcasters, what they're doing. Like they're mm -hmm. talking about this team that sucks, but they have an audience. It's cool. And, but I don't, I don't think they really, um, I think they were always like limited by the medium that they were on. And I was kind of like, I'm going to just write like a long form piece about the rights to Ricky Sanchez and talk to them about how they got here and like what it's like now. Cause I think this is a really interesting moment. Um, not just for them, but for like any Sixers fan where like, yeah. you've just been like not giving a single shit about results for four years. And now suddenly people are talking about them going to the conference finals or the finals. It's like, and it happens so, so fast. fast. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's and I've been, yeah. And it's like, I've been sort of hearing them, uh, deal with this over the course of the season. And it's been really entertaining. And, um, I've known those guys for a while and I, I thought they would be willing to talk to me for a while. And they were, and they were like very generous with their time. And I think it, it, came together as something that I hope would be would do justice to the show for the fans. But I, I was really trying to like make it make sense to people who don't listen to it too. Mm -hmm. Because I think it is a hard like if you've listened to the show, like there are so many in jokes and there's just a sort of sense of humor and uh chemistry that like those guys have together that is hard to sort of like Replicate. explain like it's almost uh, yeah it's almost better to just be like go listen to it and you'll yeah. get it <laughs> but also like don't listen to one episode you have to listen, listen. to it every week exactly. and eventually you'll get it so like i wanted to kind of explain it and put it in context and the the the, the easy thing about it is like when you're talking to athletes all the time like some are better than others but most of the time um at least at the level i'm at like i'm not getting an hour and a half with a guy mm -hmm. and I'm not necessarily asking a question and they're giving me this like long three minute answer where I can just pick and choose like, Oh, what, how many of these like great quotes do I want to use? Right. Like, 
they just gave me so much stuff. Like all they do is like not all they do. They have complete other jobs, but all they do on their <laughs> podcast is talk about and think about the Sixers. And they also spend a lot of the time on the podcast reflecting about where they've come from. Mm-hmm. So to do it with me, it was just easy for them. You so know, I had like so much stuff to work with. It, it was a very different experience than some other features where you're kind of like just piecing lots of little bits together and trying to to capture one or two new things that haven't been written about before. I feel like after this whole segment, I'm going to have to ask them for money for promoting their show so much. <laughs> yeah, ask, but um, they they would be like, just make a, they actually, no, I was going to make a joke about donations, but it'd have to be the other way around. <laughs> yeah. They would have to be making a donation to the charity of your choice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, listen, let's talk about the playoffs. Enough about rights to Ricky Sanchez, even though I love those guys. Um, <laughs> So the and I, I I sent you this rundown and like I'm sorry I get a little nuts about this like I'm like oh my god I haven't even had time to prepare and honestly I haven't had time to watch as much basketball as I'd want I I listened to the Sixers game at work on my phone while I had one one thing in my one uh, headphone in my ear while oh, I'm man. working um, just so I could try and take some of it in you know it's just like there's so much and we all have other lives yes um, but. I sent you this crazy rundown and I'm like, I didn't even get time to prepare, but I think I'm okay. I don't know. Let's, uh, it was a little lengthy. I'm sorry. I do this to people sometimes. <laughs> do not, don't apologize for doing preparation. Yeah. Come yeah, on. Fair. fair. That's fair. Uh, so I was saying that the playoffs, they're, they, they've been really crazy. I think about like, what was it? Three years ago when we had like four best of like four, seven series games in the first round. I think it was. Yeah. That yeah, was nuts. That was nuts. It was insane. This is the best playoffs I can remember since three years ago because my, my memory sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I can only remember three years at a time. Uh, but this this year has been so much fun for so many reasons. And like you said, like Philly is just coming out of nowhere. Like nobody expected that. New Orleans just swept the Blazers, which is insane. Like I don't I can't think of a single person who even thought they would win one game, let alone sweep. And and Indiana is playing the Cavs really tough. Let's start with the Pelicans and Blazers, all right? Okay, yeah. So nobody saw this coming. Did you have any idea that this was going to happen? Because if you did, please tell me about stocks. I need to, like, invest. <laughs> no, um, I had, okay, so I had Blazers in seven. I thought it was going to be really close. Mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of trouble picking a winner. Um, we did our, like, CBS Sports predictions before the playoffs, which always make me crazy because I don't really – like feel comfortable making predictions about, about things a lot of the time, but I, I wait. Do, you're saying you I don't do like it. being wrong. Um, <laughs> no, I look. The way I end up getting to it is like by the end of it, I'm just like I don't care. I'm gonna be wrong. It's fine. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. wrong all the time. I don't. I don't pretend to be a quote unquote expert. Um, but uh, I do always like as soon as our predictions came out, we had all picked the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us. Um, my editor, Audie Joseph, he did not publish his picks on the site. He like tweeted them and he thought the Pelicans were going to win. And I just, I was just, but on the site, it was just like Blazers, 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 like seven people. And I was just like, this is bad. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted that I felt nervous about that. Um, but the nervousness was like, the Pelicans should be getting more respect than this. Like they are, they were about as good as Portland in the regular season. They have AD as a huge matchup nightmare. Like they could totally win this series. Not for one second was I thinking they could just win every game. Like they could just <laughs> demoralize the Blazers right away, and then, then Portland could basically have no moves to make. Like it was insane. Yeah. Like I know the last game, like Portland did kind of put up a, a fight. Like CJ went off finally, and it was closer, but 
it like it was already 3-0 at that point. Like we knew it was going to happen. Right. I, I think the stakes didn't even feel that high. And even in that game, like to have AD and Drew combine for 88 points. That's like, crazy. What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't they tie so, an NBA franchise or an NBA record for most points yeah. by a, a duo in the playoffs? Yeah. It's, yeah, ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I, I was like fact checking that. I was like looking up, like, wait. MJ scored 63. You're telling me no one scored like <laughs> 25 plus in that? And like, no, they didn't. Um, so yeah, it's it's an actual record that they tied. It's crazy. Uh, completely crazy. Drew suddenly looks like one of the best players in the NBA. Yes. Uh, AD should like just always play center, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I think this is a total Gentry style team. And as much of a Boogie Cousin supporter as I've been in the past, I'm now terrified of them paying him max money after the Achilles thing and, like, mm-hmm. not only disrupting the chemistry that they have and changing the style, but also, like, taking a huge risk on a guy that we don't know if he'll be the same. That's a separate conversation. Right. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I could not be more impressed with New Orleans. I think that's obviously the biggest story that's happened here. Uh, and just, it's it's like... The defense that they were playing, the 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 level to which Portland's guards were frustrated, mm-hmm. like that that to me, uh, like the the all the scoring AD did, that's cool, whatever. He was doing that throughout the regular season. It was what they did to the Blazers on the other end. Like the Blazers um, are considered like a high powered offensive team. Everybody right. praises Terry Stotts' offense. They move the ball so well. They have. Um, they don't have great shooters, but like they shoot a lot of threes, well, and they have at least two bad. great shooters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have, yeah. Like, but but like, it was just, it was, it was crazy. They yeah. just like Dame. Dame looked so flustered, and he's a guy that like literally from the moment he walked in the NBA was like praised as being like poised beyond his years, can handle any situation. Blah blah blah. This was the first time when I think he just didn't have an answer. Well, and the thing is, too, like, I don't know why I didn't think about this or maybe all of us just forgot the fact that, like, so Drew Holiday, when he was traded for back in the day, he was an all-star then. He was he's a really good player. I long have loved Drew Holiday since he was on the Sixers. He's really good on defense and and he can score anywhere. We've seen this, right? But he's been injured so often in last year with his wife having the brain surgery and like all the things he's gone through. You just like nobody ever thought he was going to come back and be this good. Although this year, he seems like he's been playing incredible defense and has been really big for the Pelicans on the home stretch. Combine that with the fact that Rajon Rondo is now playing like Rajon Rondo again. He does this every (laughs) year in the playoffs. Like he looks like Boston's Rajon Rondo. And like when you have those two guards who are capable of such incredible defense on the wing, like. Why did we not see this coming? You have Anthony Davis in the center and you have those two guards playing defense. It's that's three out of five guys on the court that are just damn good on D, right? Of course yeah. they're going to shut down Portland. In retrospect, I feel stupid because I was like I like on every like preview podcast I did or like stuff that I wrote, I was like I don't know where Yusuf Nurkic is going to have a place in this series. I don't know how Portland is going to deal with New Orleans's defense. Like I like there were clues going in that this is going to be a tough matchup for the Blazers but I think just you you sort of wanted to give them that respect um for what they did in the second half of the season because they had an Um, incredible run and Dame really was having like an MVP caliber season it was yeah I I mean I didn't do I didn't have a ballot but a lot of people I respect had him as like fifth in MVP Mm -hmm. um AD was also on that ballot but (laughs) but I mean it's I just I I thought that like I looked at that series the same way I looked at like Utah OKC um, and Utah might be doing the same thing. Like Utah might end up 
beating the Thunder in like five games or or mm-hmm. six games where you sort of know it's coming. Like, but I I just looked at the matchups and I was like, this is a coin flip. This this is gonna go seven. Uh, we'll see what happens. And I basically picked the Blazers because they had home court, but that obviously did not matter at all. No, but you know what? You have plenty of company. We're all dumb. So <laughs> we're all dumb. I mean, I dumb. thought the Pacers were tanking coming into this season. Like yeah. I, I literally thought they were trying to lose again. So did everyone else. All right. R- real quick. Presumably no New Orleans will, um, they'll have to play the Warriors. Right. Cause I don't think, I mean, we'll talk a little bit very briefly about golden state, but, and uh, San Antonio, there's not much there to say, but presumably they'll have to play the Warriors. Right. Do you think there's any chance that, that New Orleans can get a few games? Do you think like if maybe yeah. if Curry's out and he doesn't come back right away, they might be able to steal one or two? And like, well, for me, I was thinking about the matchups. Tell me if this is crazy, but someone was asking me like, who would they put on Anthony Davis? Who would the Warriors put on Anthony Davis? I'm like, well, first reaction is Draymond Green, right? Yeah. But then I thought about it like, why wouldn't you put Kevin or Kevin Durant on on Anthony Davis? Because at least they, he can match up with his length and his size a little bit better. And then put Dream on. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just being crazy. What do you no, think? I think both of them will spend time on AD. I think the yeah. answer is like they don't have to pick. Like they can rotate throughout the game and give him different looks. I think that's what you want to do with star players anyway. But but I, I do think those are much better options than Portland had. Yeah. Like they were they were looking at okay, we have Al Farouk Aminu, uh, we have Yusuf Nurkic, uh, we have like Ed Davis and whatever. Like yeah. I just. <laughs> It's and not like, the same caliber player. Yeah. No. And like Alfred Camino is an awesome defender. Ed Davis has just had like a wonderful season. Mm-hmm. But like AD is just for a bunch of different reasons going to get what he wants against those guys. And I do think the Warriors have better options. I mean, I think you can even try to get away with like, OK, we're going to put Andre Iguodala on him who gives up a lot of size, but is like a genius and really strong. Right. And just have a little bit of help waiting. Like, I I think the Warriors have better options than most teams do in this situation. Now, uh, what I'm interested in is is kind of the other end. It's like they have Rondo, who's actually engaged on defense right now. They have Holiday, who it seems like he can guard um, one through three perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. He might be too short to to check KD, though. Right. Um, uh, It can make life a little bit difficult for him because he'll body up on, on him a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, I Katie can just shoot over him. Like, Katie can shoot over him. Like, <laughs> that's a good point. I, I always forget about the height. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm interested to see in in what the Warriors look like offensively. Like, I think if there is a chance, it's because the Warriors go cold or New Orleans actually has an effective game plan and Curry isn't back to save them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm in this weird position where, as much as I respect the Pelicans, as much as I feel like I should atone for not realizing how great they would be in the first round, I'm still kind of like, eh. It's the Warriors. Like, I, I, I'd probably pick Warriors in five or six if I had to um, make the pick right now. Um, but, I mean, obviously so much of this, like, the Warriors with Steph and without Steph, like, yes, I get it. They have three other All-Stars. They have another MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. They, like, just in terms of talent, they should win. But as many, many other people have said, like, their style is all Steph-based. Like, he is the one that makes them go. They're a completely different team with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he might be a little rusty, it might take him a, bit, a couple of games to get to get back to himself, I just think, like, if he comes back and they're rolling and they're actually trying hard in defense like they should because it's a playoffs, and with the exception of, like, some stretches, like, a lot of the last game against the Spurs, like, they have been 
pretty locked in mm-hmm. uh, throughout this series. Um, I, I, I think they'll be fine. Like, I, I don't yeah. think the Pelicans are really going to push them. What I will say, though, is, like, look back to the last time the Pelicans were in the playoffs. Like, Davis was a problem for the Warriors. Like, yeah. he was amazing. So I think in terms of the Pelicans' offense, like, if if they can just get to a place where he is unstoppable and the Warriors have to send multiple guys and then now you're getting open looks for everybody else, like, they could be able to get by on offense. Um, the, the real question for me is, like, can they make the Warriors uncomfortable the way that they made Portland so uncomfortable? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it'll be a compelling series, honestly. I think, well, it's got to be better than the one against Portland, so. <laughs> that was compelling from just, like, a, like, yeah, it was just like, I can't would, look away. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like a train wreck. Like, you, yeah, like, yeah, you can't stop watching. Um, Real quick, but real quick about Portland. So there's, I mean, we'll, we'll go through this quick because we got a bunch of other series to get through. <laughs> We're already okay. at 30 minutes. Um, About Portland. So people are talking about, like, Terry Stotts and Neil O'Shea are, both on the hot seat, they might be, might be let go. What do you think? Is this an overreaction? Uh, I think I think Terry Stotts actually came out and said, "Listen, this is a complete overreaction. Like you can't just base the last four games, you know, of the season. Like we had an entire season here. We did really well. You're talking about four games that we lost, and now everyone wants everyone fired. What do you think? I think the only justification for canning Stotts is like they think that they should be better in the playoffs and they think that their failings are his fault. If they, if they think he was the right coach to get us to this place, but we need to get somebody who can make better adjustments, who can have us faring better in the playoffs, we're going to go somewhere else. Um, but I, I think it's hard to really make that argument and believe it. So if they, if he ends up getting fired, I would think it would basically be Olshay covering his ass and being like, well, we can't, we're not in a spot where we can change a lot of the roster easily. So we're going to go for a new coach and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that would be fair. I think Stoss is one of the best coaches in the league. I think you can fairly criticize his work in the playoffs um, and you can fairly criticize their system being too dependent on two guys. Uh, But I think if you're doing that, you have to honestly step back and ask yourself, well, were you saying that a month ago? Like, were you saying that when they, won like 13 straight games in February and March and Dame was on absolute fire and they were killing teams. And um, I think Stotts, I mean, Stotts was in the coach of the year conversation this year. And it was mostly, it wasn't even because of the offense, which is like the side of the floor where everybody's called him a genius forever. It was because he took this team that like doesn't really have stoppers on it, doesn't have this like dominant rim protector and made them into a top 10 defense. Like, I think they were eighth. And defensive efficiency on the on the year, which is crazy, yeah, and a huge jump from what they were last year without really making a lot of changes. Because I think they were like twenty third or something last year, and yeah, they didn't really. Yeah, they change. were garbage. Yeah. yeah, they didn't really. The only person they added was Nurkic, and that like he's not. I mean, he's 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 big. He's big, right? But he's not like <laughs> he's not like he's not like Joel Embiid or no. Rudy Gobert, and he's not gonna like block all the shots. He's just gonna he'll be in the way, and that's great. Yeah. But to to be able to change that defense around so much, or at least have them play at that level, that that absolutely deserves consideration. And I agree with you. I think he's a great coach. The thing I would be concerned about is if if Neil O'Shea is let go. Just because, like, he made some really bad contract moves a couple years ago. He signed Evan Turner to way too much money. I mean, I, I like Evan Turner now that he's not on the Sixers anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's a, he's a decent player. And he's hilarious on Twitter. So, but... It's hilarious in person, too. Like, just it, any interview he does. Yeah, he's great. He's the only NBA player ever to answer me on, on Twitter. So, he gets all kinds of cred uh, in my book. Um, 
What, what, wait, what's the story there? What did you ask him? Uh, I didn't ask him anything. I think I forget what the, uh, something about, did he get suspended or something for, there was, there was, I don't know. Somebody, he tweeted out something about, I can't remember what the thing was. I wrote rules is rules. And then he came back to me. Like he kind of gave me this smackdown on Twitter. I was like, all right, I was just joking, but cool. And then he deleted it right away. So, but whatever. He deleted it. Oh, Evan. (laughs) I still got it in my memory. So at least that part of it. Yeah. Um, The only thing I was thinking is what if they like hired Sam Hinkie in Portland? He wouldn't have to do a complete rebuild like he did in Philly, but he could definitely move things around. And the only thing bad about that is like if, 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 Olshay is replaced by another GM. Terry Stotts is almost certainly gone, right? Because every GM that comes in wants to hire their own guy. And of course, yeah, I, I think so. I think of Sam Hinkie right away because, you know, I'm a disciple. <laughs> I mean, I'm something close to that, too. Like, I think Hinkie deserves another shot, and oh, I'm yeah. really interested in, in what happened. You know, I'd, I'd almost be more interested in what happened in Portland if he was hired in Portland than mm-hmm. if he was hired by, like, if like Phoenix had a change of direction or something, right. Where it's just Absolutely. like, Oh, this team sucks and they're going to do the process again. Um, but that's I, the thing too. Like there's been so much, well, we don't, we don't need to go down a, a hinky thing, but yeah, I, I would say that I would be great if he got hired in Portland because I like to follow Portland and it would be great to see them succeed with, cause I think he could do things besides just the process. You know what I mean? He He's could very smart guy. And I think he would, and people forget it. how long he spent in Houston. Yeah. Where, like yeah. they were complete, like they were just fundamentally from, ownership on down like they were just never going to tank they were going to do things a different way so he knows how to do that he was a part of a lot of those trades a lot of those draft picks a lot of what they did there um and i think if i think if the the blazers are really considering how do we get to the next step with this team um and how do we do it without just telling dame okay just chill for the next few years mm-hmm. um ha- when evan turner and myers leonard's contracts are up in two years then we can go and well we can make some changes I-, I think the the way to avoid that is you have to look at two or three years down the line and say what can we do right now to make us like really good then and I think that's how sam would probably look at it yeah and i think whether it's um little trades on the margins to get you some more draft picks to take a shot at at somebody whether it's honestly whether it's like moving cj as Mm -hmm. a way to get off of turner's money early or a way to get off of leonard's money or what have you whether it's like trading mo harkless who is making 11 million a year but like actually deserves that like he's actually a pretty good player whether it's like trading him for a first round like whatever it is right i don't i don't know what the answer is there i think it's really tough um, because as long as you have Damon CJ on the team, like you're going to make the playoffs, like yeah. you're at least going to be, I guess because the West is so good now, like that might not be as true as it was a couple of years ago. Uh, but you're going to be at least in the hunt. So I, I think it, there is an argument for splitting the two stars up that has been rehashed over and over over the past few years. And I think the best argument for it is not that they can't win together, but it's with the roster like the just the salary cap sheet looking the way it is like I don't know how you get from like good to great in the next few years um by keeping them together you know like I think yeah Uh, so go ahead I I was just so I just I just be interested in like Hinky's thought process going into that situation because it's one that is kind of strange to me I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with running it back they're a good team but Mm -hmm. I do think 
fans and players will get sick of losing the way they have in the first round. Like it's it's a little bit similar to what I saw happen in Toronto where it felt like things were stagnating and people were calling for them to blow it up and they never did. Um, but the thing that Toronto kept doing was making these smart trades and acquiring draft picks and then drafting extraordinarily well. Mm-hmm. And then like they built this second team up. So um, they were able to have like a stylistic change and then have a rotation change and then they're the best team they've ever had. Um, and maybe Portland can try to follow that model, but I think a couple things about that. I think it's harder to do that in the West than the East, and I think their cupboard is kind of bare compared to what Toronto was working with. Yeah. I was going to say, to go off your point about the two stars in the backcourt, uh, and maybe maybe having to trade one of them, it, was make, it made me think of the Wizards. Like, And speaking of, we should talk about the Raps and Wizards, <laughs> since you just talked about both of them anyways. Let's do it. Yeah. The, you know, for me, I keep thinking like, John Wall is owed so much money coming starting as of next year. I think he's going to be making $40 million in the first year of that contract. You have him, you have Bradley Beal, and then you have a bunch of other guys, but you have no real cap space or no real way to make your bench or any part of that team better. Why not kind of flip things around a little bit? And it just made me think of that a little bit. And, and you know, the Wizards have just come back from a 2 nothing deficit, and now it's 2-2. It's kind of a low-key, like, compelling matchup. Um because, listen, for the whole season, like, John Wall, I think John Wall has been injured most of the year, just hasn't let on, and then he had to take some time off and get better. Since he's come back, he looks a lot more explosive. He looks like John Wall again. Looks thinner. He looks thinner. Yeah. You know, we don't slow you down, apparently, in the NBA. I don't know. It's it's crazy when you think <laughs> about these guys, like, you know, the, a couple of pounds you wouldn't think would be that much of a difference, right? But, like, when you're that top-tier athlete and you add a couple of pounds, it, it really makes a difference. Who knew? Um, yeah. But they've they've come back. They've tied up the series two two. Um, it the whole thing was like the whole season. You don't know what Wizards team is going to show up. You don't know what they're going to do. They've lost to some really crappy teams, and they've beat some teams. And like sometimes you think they're going to be great and they're going to be the team that comes out of the East. Next thing you know, they're losing to Orlando right before the close of the season. Yeah. So it's they're they're like a Jekyll and Hyde team, and I just don't know what to expect. What do you think we can expect in Game Five? Do you have any ideas? <laughs> I, I mean, I expect the Wizards to lose the next two games. I think the Raptors are a lot better than them. <laughs> Agreed. I expect their season to end in a really depressing way, but I did not expect them to come back in the last five minutes of game four with Bradley Beal fouled out Yeah. Um, and, and make this a series again, but they did. And I think that the, this is the thing about the Wizards. It's, it's hard to quit them. Yeah. Uh, they They drive you completely crazy. I think their approach is really bad. Like their whole offense is designed to get them a ton of long twos. Um, even if Scott Brooks sometimes in the post game will say like, you know, we want more threes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told the guys to shoot more. We know that like, well, like, look at what you're running. Like, look at what you're actually going for. Look at what your the habits that your best players have, have developed into. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like their, like they're playing like a lot of minutes with like Lawson at the one and Mike Scott at the five, where it's like, you're sort like you're, you're small enough to be out rebounded by like a lot, mm-hmm. but you're not small enough to be like faster and more athletic than the other team necessarily. You're not, if you're playing like Lawson and wall together, which they do, like you're not really spacing the floor that much. Like I just, I just kind of don't think that the, that what they do makes sense. I don't think they've had much chemistry over the course of the season. I mean, this is um, Washington you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is Washington. I'm talking about, uh, and it, it just, 
but but the thing about them is like despite all of this, right. like they win they they win these two games at home mm-hmm. against the number one seed, and they have these runs where like for a few minutes, like if John Wall is just being aggressive, getting into the paint and then pat and then kicking it out to open open shooters, or if he's running high pick and rolls with Marcin Gortat who sets like really great really screens, screens yeah. um, like they they're just like it's a formula that works. Like Otto Porter does not touch the ball nearly enough. But him just being there, he helps his team. Like he is, like even when he is invisible, he plays good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes, and he spaces the floor. And I think a lot of people are frustrated with how he's been used, especially um, when Wall's usage rate has been so high and he hasn't been super efficient. Like I get that, but he just helps you. And it, it's it's this sort of weird thing where like we have seen this starting five together. We know that they know how to play together. Um, we know that that ceiling is there. Like they, by all rights, should have been in the conference finals last year, if not for Jan Mahimi trying to chase around Kelly Olynyk in a game seven, like, right. which was whatever. Um, like their talent is way superior to the average eight seed. Yes. Um, but I just can't trust them. But they also um, have like their talent is like at the top, and that's it. Like, they're, they're, yeah, they have two really talented guys on that team, and they have no bench or very little bench. I mean, Kelly Oubre is fine, um, but like, you go down the roster there, and listen, we should say that I think Ty Lawson has been a nice upgrade for them, but he's still Ty Lawson. He's not gonna, he's not gonna play a huge, huge role for you, right? Um, no. So I, I, I agree. I think their ceiling is limited. I don't know that they get out of this series, but at least they've made it fun. Um, the idea I that... think they're they're good enough to scare Toronto. Yeah, for <laughs> That's sure. That's the thing. Like their talent is there. They don't have much pressure on them right now. Um, and they're and look when they play their best players a ton of minutes and limit that bench that is still an issue. Like somehow still an issue. Yeah. Uh, then <laughs> they they can be pretty good. It's just the Raptors. I mean, they're they're. It's a little different without Van Vliet. I think everybody has seen that. Mm-hmm. But like the Raptors still have a really deep bench. They're consistently getting productions from production from their reserves. And when they're actually moving the ball and playing to this new identity that they have, like they just, they're better. They should win. Um, but weird stuff happens in the playoffs. Weird stuff happens with matchups. Uh, I, I don't want to be the guy that dismisses the team that has won the, the last two games. And that really, that was like a gutty victory mm-hmm. in game four with their season essentially on the line. So I was impressed by that. I just, I, like I said, I just can't trust them. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about that real quick. Cause we, we have to move faster through these. It's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the one blabbering on and on. And you're blaming yourself. <laughs> I mean, how much time do you have? We, I can make a two hour podcast. We'll cut it into halves. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> you're so agreeable. You must be Canadian. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing that I noticed you just mentioned like at the beginning that Bradley Beal fouled out in the fourth quarter, right? After that, it looked to me like they would not call a foul on the, on the wizards at all. Like they were trying to make up those calls because they fouled <laughs> Bradley Beal out. I was like, what do you do? Like the guys were getting mugged at the rim and they were just not calling anything. So I think maybe part of the reason that the warriors actually won that game is, you know, it might've had something to do with the officiating quick thoughts. No, it's super weird because I I follow a lot of Toronto people, like some that are just my friends that have nothing to do with like the basketball internet, um, mm-hmm. and some that are Raptors writers and bloggers and fans and whatever. And like, there was a lot of angst about the officiating in the game, yeah. and 
when you first look at it, you're like, that's crazy. Like, DeMar shot, like, 18 free throws. In the first half, it was like a parade to the foul line for the Raptors. Mm -hmm. The the officials fouled out Bradley Beal on what, like, to me was a terrible call. Agreed. Um, With five (laughs) minutes left in the game. It was, like, completely incidental contact. Like, yeah, he kind of tripped DeMar, but, like, they were both going for a rebound. In most situations, it's not going to be a call. Um, And put the Wizards at a severe disadvantage. Like, it feels like you should not complain about that. And, like, I don't think Raptors fans should complain about that. However... What you said is completely accurate. If you go back and watch the tape, after Beal fouled out, DeMar and Kyle uh, were getting into the lane on almost every possession. And they were Um, getting mugged on every possession. The Wizards were just daring the officials to make a call. Yeah. And they just weren't. They just got, like, they, they got all their calls in the first half. They got none when they needed them at the end of the game. Yep. Um, I, I still don't think Raptors fans should be complaining like they are. But, but still, I yeah. I definitely noticed, like, oh, my God. Like, they're just getting hit every I mean, time and not yeah. getting the calls anymore. It was crazy. There was a few that were just like, oh, my God, in any game, even in the regular season, that would be a foul. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, and, and you know... I, you hate to have to talk about, listen, I understand that the ref's jobs are not easy. You can't catch things in real time the way we can see them on TV, right? And we have the we have the um, replay, instant replay and all of that. But, like, you know they were letting some of those calls go. And, like, it, it sucks to have to talk about a game afterwards and have to bring up officiating. That's just, yeah. it's never the way you want to talk about a series. Anyway, moving on. Would you want to say anything about Golden State San, uh, San Antonio? No. <laughs> okay, moving on. I feel <laughs> I'm with you. I have watched 10 minutes of this series and I feel bad, but like we know we know Golden State's going to take this and I feel really bad for Pop and, you know, condolences go out to him and all that. Um I don't know the man personally, but he seems like just the most stand-up guy in the NBA, so mm-hmm. I feel really terrible for him and, you know, I hope um they get through it okay. But San Antonio, I don't think they have a prayer. I think, honestly, somebody mentioned on another podcast, I forgot who it was, because I would love to give them credit, but they said they felt like it was a Golden State giving uh, some respect to Pop by letting San Antonio win. I don't totally disagree with that. The gentleman sweep. Gentleman sweep, uh, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, it was nice to see Manu have the game that he had, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't been, like, of all the series, like, if there's one that, like, when the game's on, I'm not, like, fully locked in and engaged, like, it's it's this one, like... Yeah. You just could kind of tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Boston-Milwaukee. Um, this one actually turned out to be way better than I was hoping it would be. I just expected going into this series um, that Boston was going to have a lot of trouble because they're so limited. I mean, you, you knew that they were going to be coached up. You knew they were going to play really hard, as they always do, even though they have, they're have they missing half their roster. Um but, you know, it's always that theory that, like, the the star is going to shine in the playoffs. The best guy on the court is going to win you this series. And they started out with Milwaukee. Giannis is clearly the best player in the series. Um, they went down 0-2. And it looked like Boston might just walk away with it. But Giannis has been playing his ass off. And uh, it's, yeah. it's a series now. And they're going back to Boston. And I'm really excited to see. By the way, I was just watching it on TV yesterday, sitting on the sofa. And my wife was in the other room doing things in the ca- or on, on her computer and Giannis had that dunk where he was obviously fouled in the fourth quarter. And he just played right through the contact and dunked that ball. Like, I don't know anybody else in the league that could have done that. Um, maybe LeBron. But it was just incredible. I think you know the one I'm talking about. He was coming around from the left side and through the paint. 
Yeah, and he smashed it on Horford, and he mean mugged yeah, afterward. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, he's unbelievable. Like he, I don't know what what to even say about him. He even when the team was playing like trash, like he and Middleton were great. Yeah, I think the reason why this is a series is like, and this is gonna sound weird, but like it's a series because of Thon Maker and Matthew Dellavedova. Like yeah. that is that is honestly why the Bucks won the last two games. I think Bledsoe is like. And this like pains me because I was always a Bledsoe supporter. You and me both. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> but like I think he's actively harming his team out there. And like to see a guy who like I consider like when he's at his best, like one of the best point guard defenders in the league, just sort of arrogantly just not even try to get over screens. Just like, eh, that's fine. Um, like that that drives me nuts. Yeah. Like he should be a complete menace on that end. He should be locking guys down. He should be getting deflections. He should be starting the fast break. And then an offense like his decision making just the, the entire time he's been in Milwaukee has kind of driven me crazy. Um, so they get like the best performance of Jabari's professional life uh, in game four, which was really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how much you can count on that. Uh, and then they have Maker, this guy who's like, I don't even know how to like he's he looks like he should be a unicorn yeah, type guy because right. he's like out there shooting threes and then he gets these highlight blocks. Um but it's like he—he's not like he's just so thin that like he can't really rebound at all. Like he's not really a big man, right. but he can get these blocks. Like he can play good defense. And he was but blocking also, the shit out of the ball yesterday. It was incredible to watch. And both of the games, yeah. Like just swatting everybody. Like he's—he's he's really changing things for them. And like there aren't a lot of players that have his length and athleticism like he's really quick mm-hmm. and then he's just so impossibly long like he can, he can he can change a game and he did this last year too like both both regular seasons he looks like pretty unimpressive um i mean this year i thought he was going to build on what he did against the raptors in the first round last year did not really do that did not really get a ton of chances to play either um just looks like he's completely out of their playoff rotation they throw him in there immediately changes the game uh yeah. della vadova might be like their second best rebounder even <laughs> like a 630 <laughs> guard he's like out in there just boxing big dudes out like and playing really hard defense and just doing deli things you know it's funny because uh, people like the people you know people are sort of making a joke they're like well Della Vadova's back so listen this series is definitely going in the box I'm favor. dead serious like <laughs> he he doesn't like people think of him as like a meme and I get it Right. But like he is also like he he won a championship and was like playing big minutes when that happened. Yeah. Like he I don't know, man, like I Bledsoe obviously should be way better than him. Like yes. there's no excuse for what's happening. None. But Delhi has flat better than Bledsoe. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like Middleton and Giannis playing the way that they are, if they can continue to get production from like a couple of other dudes in every game. Uh, then look, they're way talented than Boston is right now. Yeah. Uh, the the advantage the Celtics have is coaching, chemistry, all that like good juju stuff. Like I I don't think the Bucks have had that for most of the year, but maybe they're finding it now. Yeah, uh, I will say that I love Terry Rozier, and and actually I love all their young guys. It, it's it's the second most scary roster coming up uh, besides the Sixers in, in the entire Eastern Conference. Those guys are going to be good. Jalen Brown. Jalen uh, Brown right now is is playing out of his a mind. Maniac. I love that guy. He's so good. Like, it's it's sort of like, like, he's been waiting for this the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, like, people were always calling, oh, my God, he's such a good defender. He's so athletic. He can be, like, a 3 and D guy. 
Uh, I don't know what his ceiling is as a scorer. I don't know if he can really like make plays off the dribble. And he never really did a lot of that. But what's interesting is like if you watch him in like summer league, like he would try to do this stuff. It wouldn't always work. Mm-hmm. But he would try these like step back jumpers, yeah. like dribbling between his legs, like trying to go one on one. And I remember interviewing him last year, um, and he was talking about when he was guarding Demar Derozan and just how like Demar is one of his favorite players and how. Um, he's just so tough to like predict what he's going to do. He has so many moves and like Jalen was basically like implying or saying that like he, um, tried to emulate DeMar when he's like working out and working on his game. And I'm thinking like, that's interesting. Like, that's not a guy I would compare Jalen Brown to. And like, now you see when the Celtics don't have a ton of other options, like it's ba- it's basically him, Rozier and Tatum that are making plays like Horford is obviously like keeping everybody connected, but it's not just like, Hey, we're going to throw the ball to Al. Like, like in situations where they need someone to put the ball on the floor, Jalen's just doing the stuff that he's been working on the whole time. He just hasn't always been doing it in game. Yeah. He's pretty incredible. I I don't know what his ceiling is either, but man, I hope it's high because he's, he's fun. The other thing I love about that dude is he's so incredibly smart. It just, it just blows me away. I really love it. Um, Houston, Minnesota. Do you want to say anything about this series? Yeah. Do you? Uh, not really. <laughs> I don't know that I have lots of take. Like, I, I guess, like, the last game, like, I just didn't feel like Houston was really trying on defense. Yeah. Like, I just didn't think they were, they had it, uh, which is weird because I've spent this whole season being like, no, they're not just an offensive team. They're really good on defense, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, Minnesota just kind of got whatever they wanted. I'll say that uh, I'm glad they took the ball out of Wiggins' hands a little bit and put it in Carl Anthony Towns. So that I think is a better recipe for success. If you if Wiggins is shooting the most shots on your team, like he'll shoot them for sure. He's a high volume scorer or high volume shooter. But I think you know working the ball into to Carl Anthony Towns and letting Jimmy Butler go off is is probably your best bet. Hang on one second, my ending music just went on. <laughs> um, it's probably your best bet to winning a game, right? So I think maybe. If they can stay locked in on defense, I I don't think there, there's no chance. This, this, this I don't think so. This series I mean, is over. But can you imagine a world in which Houston blows this? If they would blow this, what happens? It would be insane. Yeah, like people would be calling for everyone's heads. Everyone. Like the conversation about Chris Paul that would ensue would drive me crazy. I just wouldn't want to look at Twitter. Like I just mute Chris Paul. Um, <laughs> but you know, the stuff about Dan, like as somebody that has been a big D'Antoni guy forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. love those Suns teams like I don't want to hear people say that it just can't work in the playoffs and all and he doesn't make adjustments and he needs to use more play- like all this stuff that we've heard a million times that I'm tired of like the 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 one like one of the reasons that I want Houston to do well in the postseason is like selfish like I just want that stuff to end right, right like I want it to be like like Dirk wins the title and you no longer have to hear that he's soft like that would be great yeah. if we no longer had to hear that Chris Paul was a choker and that D'Antoni is like a false prophet or like whatever. Like, I don't know. And James like, Harden, don't forget about James Harden choking. Oh, or Harden. Yeah. yeah. Harden, because yeah, like Harden can't handle the big moments, even though like Harden, when he was like a sixth man for the thunder had like some incredible playoff performances where like Durant and, and Westbrook were deferring to him. It's true. But don't forget <laughs> about when they finally made it to the, the championship and he disappeared. He was part of the well, reason they didn't. I mean, I, you know, it's, he was, here's, a much here's the thing. Go ahead. Here's the thing. Cause I like, I remember hearing, um, I think it was when Chris Bosch was in a podcast recently. I don't remember if he was on with Howard Beck or Bill Simmons. It was like one, one of the like bigger NBA podcasts mm-hmm. and they were talking about Harden and 
and how like people couldn't see that he was going to be this good. And Bosch was like, oh, we knew. Like we knew exactly how good he was. That's why when we played them in the finals, our entire game plan was about stopping him. Mm -hmm. And like they succeeded in stopping yeah. him. It worked. <laughs> but I think like the fact that that was what they were doing is really telling of how talented he was. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. We don't ever come at it from that angle. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Um, all right. That's enough about that. <laughs> Let's talk about OKC and Utah real quick. Another team where if if OKC loses a series and it looks like they really could, um, there is going to be some hell to pay there. What are your thoughts about this? Because it, look, this this team was sort of supposed to be not not really supposed to be a super team. But like, I mean, it was a super team before they brought in Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> yeah, it's it's odd. Like it just. Like one team shouldn't be this dependent on Andre Robertson, right? Like, yeah. Although, listen, I want to give myself some props here. When I was giving my my, um, I, you don't need to know about this, but when I was doing my predictions for the season, I actually said Andre Robertson was going to be in the uh, defensive player of the year category. I thought he, he might, might have won it if you stayed he healthy. He was, yeah, he was. He was game. amazing. Having him and Paul George on the same team was it was just nuts. It was crazy, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I missed watching that. I think that totally changed their season. I think it's really unfortunate, but I also think like you should be able to survive that. Like, yeah, yeah you're not going to be the best defensive team in the NBA, but they're but still it should... really good, and that's the yeah. Th he yeah, wasn't you're still giving really them talented. much on offense. It's just like what happened, you know? Exactly. Like you should be a better offensive team for it, um, even if you're worse defensively. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't completely unglue everything. Um, look, I don't like the Thunder. To me, they are they're still what they were in the regular season. Like they're just inconsistent. Their highs are really high. Their lows are like kind of almost humiliatingly low. Mm -hmm. um, you go, you see these stretches where they just can't get anything going on offense and they're playing against a team that is like never going to let them off. Like, on, and have like, Oh, here's a possession where you can just get something like, no, like the jazz, like with Rudy Gobert and the Ross on the roster on the court, like they've been the best offensive, the best defensive team by a mile. Mm -hmm. Like they're just, they're they're not going to get anything easy um, unless what you really want is to just take a contested two, which like they're happily allowing right. Russ and PG and Melo to like step into those if they want them. Um, so I I don't think this has been like like where they are in the series. Like I get that it looks bad. I think it particularly looks bad because. They had the one game where the three guy, the, the big three, even though Adams is better than Melo, mm -hmm. shot over 14 in the fourth quarter. And then the last game when. I mean, that's um, my big three. I think Adams is their. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. seriously, I think he's the big three, not not Melo. But go on. <laughs> yeah, no, he should be. Uh, and then the last game you had David Thorpe tweeting that Westbrook is playing like Jacques Vaughn. <laughs> like because he's like literally never looking like he didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter. It was really strange. Um, so. I, I, I think it looks really bad because of that. But honestly, like the Jazz, I think, are a more well-rounded team. They're a team that actually knows like how they're going to get their buckets and how they want to play defensively. They have a really strong identity, whereas the Thunder, they have like bigger names. They might have more talent overall, um, more guys with playoff experience, I guess. Right. But I like... It was one of those series that I always thought was going to be close. I, I I picked the Jazz to win. Um, Did you really? Yeah, I wow. think I picked them. I don't know, I remember if I picked them in six or seven. I picked them to win. Um, but I I just I don't know. Like I I think the Jazz. I, I I think if we're gonna kill the Thunder for this, like that's fine. 
But like, if you're going to do that, you have to talk about how good the Jazz are. Because oh, yeah. in, no, in no way entering the series did I think, oh, yeah, this is just like Oklahoma is just going to like skate through to the second round. I, I would agree with that. And listen, even if Utah does end up losing the series, they've had an incredible season. Donovan Mitchell is a, a flat-out star. He's not the rookie of the year, but he's a flat-out star. Like, <laughs> yes. I'm glad you made that clarification. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Had to work that in there, you know. <laughs> but I me, agree, though. Yeah. Good. Everyone should. We should all be in agreement. Um, they should give me a vote. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they, they've had an incredible season. It's It's been fun to watch that team. They've really well-coached. It's fantastic. They have a really bright future. And honestly, I still think that OKC wins the series because I just think stars shine in these moments. Um, and I think that Russ is just going to be able to get them on his back. Watch me be wrong about this, but whatever. It's, you know, predictions are stupid. Um, I will say he'll need to start playing Ricky Ruby, outplaying Ricky Rubio first which if they're going to win the series. Crazy. <laughs> By the way, I'm super happy for Ricky Rubio. I love that dude. And like even me too. Yeah, everyone killing him for years. Like he can't shoot. He can't shoot. Ricky Rubio gives you so many things on the court. His intangibles are really intangible. Like he plays really good defense, gets his hands in every pass. And like, he's just a really damn good player. So happy that he went off last night. Was it last night? Two nights? I can't even pay attention to time anymore. Uh, (laughs) Two nights ago, I think. Who knows? Who knows at this point? (laughs) All right. Two more series. We're already over an hour. Do you want to talk about either Cleveland and Indy or Philly and Miami? Yeah, let's do both. What, like, whatever right. you want. All right, Cleveland, Indiana, real quick, real fast. Um, <laughs> the Cavs, all right, so they just tied it up 2-2. They, the end of that game was kind of bonkers. I don't know really what happened with that that jump ball, not jump ball foul at the end. Um, but I think the whole thing and the whole series comes down to this. When Cleveland had to, and it, I'm just speculating because this is how I think it's going to go. When Cleveland had okay. to come back, they got two huge three-pointers from Kyle Korver and LeBron went to the rim just like a freight train and you couldn't stop him. That's always been the difference in LeBron's teams. He can get to the rim when he wants to. He can shoot a three-pointer if he has to, and he can find his guys. And as great as Indiana has been playing and as much of a feel-good story as they are, I just don't think... Listen, I was really rooting for Indiana to have to take that game last night. I was like, can we finally just give LeBron a break? Like, on, on his, you know, for his sake and for ours? <laughs> like, <laughs> if he could come back next year with a fully rested body, having an off season to himself, it would be he just he would come back as a maniac next year. Not that he wasn't this year, but really rooting for it. I don't think it's going to happen. What are your thoughts? Uh, I I think like every game aside from the first one when Indiana uh, won by what late eighteen mm-hmm. has felt like a toss up to me. So I like, I thought they could have had yesterday's game, even though Oladipo didn't play that well. Uh, the Cavs are just not really doing it for me right now. They're not impressing me. Like, yeah, sure. Like, if I had to pick a team, I'll pick the Cavs right now. They have home court. They have LeBron. That's fine. Yeah. But Indiana has not shied away from this. They're not intimidated by the Cavs at all. I think they legitimately, like, genuinely believe they are the better team, even though they have respect for LeBron. And, like... I, I sort of like the way the Pacers have played more than I like the way the Cavs have played. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like, no, totally. I, I, I wrote something after game two, I think it was game two, about uh, Korver being like the, the the second best player on the Cavs that game and mm-hmm. how he saved them in all these different scenarios. Like he hit four threes, but he also made like a bunch of like little defensive plays and hustle plays that I wanted to highlight. And then he comes out yesterday and he doesn't do much at the beginning. And then he just explodes in the second half and he saves them with those late threes. And it's like, like Corver's a cool story. But the other side of that story is like, 
how comfortable do you feel with what the Cavs are doing when he has to be like their second best player and the one that saves them? Like he's right. 37, he's in his 15th year. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that even though like I think he's been talked about sort of unfairly as a defensive player his whole career because he is generally in the right positions. He has always had good hands, like blocks shots, gets deflections, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Like he is a guy that gets targeted by the other team in terms of one-on-one matchup, trying to get him in a pick and roll, trying to attack him. Like if if he is your second best player, if you're getting, if you're not even tr- playing Tristan Thompson, if if Kevin Love is, I mean, maybe part of that was the injury, um, but if he is not asserting himself offensively, really. Uh, if George Hill is just not going to be healthy, not going to be on the court, and when he is, it's like, oh, like he can play half a game, then suddenly he's not available again. Like if this if this is what LeBron has to deal with, um, then I'm concerned. Yeah, and I I don't think it's I don't think they're just like I I, I think a lot of the reaction from yesterday was like, oh, like the Pacers have had a good run, but they really needed that game. The like LeBron's not losing this, and that's fair. LeBron never loses in the first round but at the same time i'm just like i I don't know that i'm ready to get there yet like yeah i i think there is a world in which indiana wins two more games in this series i wouldn't bet on it but i don't i don't think this thing is over i mean new orleans swept the blazers anything can happen (laughs) and it's the thing too is like um I just, you know somebody made a point to me that they said they heard through chatter that lebron might have just said not not like on the record, but sort of in passing in a way that like he's got to be demoralized with the roster that he has around him. Right. I felt, I felt this way his last year in Miami, he looked around and he saw what he's got to work with. And he just knows that like, there's never going to, they're never going to compete. Even if the Cavs go to the Eastern conference finals, there's, there's no way they can compete. And somebody said that he mentioned like, you know what? He would rather just go out and like be able to enjoy the rest of the playoffs for once. Um, And I, I don't know how much stock we should put into that. Because I think LeBron just will never quit. I don't think he'll ever just like concede a victory. He won't quit, but he'll, he he had to rest on the court yesterday. I mean, because he, he played forty six minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, but I'm saying like, but you literally saw him resting. Yeah, and it was really obvious. Like this is a situation that he's found himself in right now. It's crazy, and the guy is just. Wor- I mean, he's got to be worn out. It's he's played so many minutes and so many games, and like just. Dude, take a break. Just go. Ahead. It's okay. Sit down. Sit down. Everybody <laughs> celebrated him playing all 82 this year. And I was like, why yeah. the hell did he play all 82? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? You're saving nothing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I still, again, I still think Cleveland, Cleveland beats Indy. But, you know, I just like looking forward. If you fast forward to the rest of the season, what's the ultimate goal? He knows that this team is never going to win a championship. It would take a miracle for them to beat, let's say, Golden State or Houston, right? There's no way they can match up with those guys. Is this roster worse than the one? Like he he won a game, the one in 2000 with that team. The no, the the one in 2014, uh, oh, 15. Yeah, the one. Yeah, when he had like Mozgov and, and uh, Delhi. I would say yes. Heavy minutes. Like you think this? One, I don't see. This is the thing. Like I'm really down on how the Cavs are playing right now. Mm-hmm. But I I think I see a little more upside than most people do in this team. Like. I just think like circumstances have doomed them. Like they have never had an opportunity to build chemistry. Yeah. They don't even know what lineups to play. That's true. Like they don't really understand who they're supposed to be. Um, I don't get some of the decisions in terms of who's playing when and where. And Jeff Green is playing so many minutes, and Osman isn't. And I like it's just there's a lot of stuff going on that makes me think like if they had a full training camp and everybody was healthy, like. Just for example, I, I still like I think a healthy George Hill is a really, really good player. Right. 
And he just has not done that much for the Cavs since he got there. He has not done that much all season. Is it uh, me or does he look like he's lost weight as well? Like he looks actually legitimately thin out there. I think he has lost a bit of weight. And and that's a th- like he was always like bigger and stronger than everybody. Right. But most point guards that he was playing and allowed him to guard threes as well. Mm-hmm. And like if you're not getting much out of him because of the injury or like some people say he's washed, like whatever it is, I, I would lean toward it because he's, he's unhealthy. But I don't know. Um, if you're not getting what you need out of Kevin Love, like it's just it, it it's it's hard to see them going far. But I do think these are good players. Like I think Rodney Hood in the right situation is a really good player. Yeah. I think like Jordan Clarkson has some bad habits, but like if you gave him a training camp with this team and a full season to figure out his role, I think he'd probably fit in better than he is right now. Um, I I think there is a world in which um, they get past the Pacers and end up back in the finals and you're just you look back on this series and you think oh like this really like woke the Cavs up and this really um forced them to make some decisions on like who should be playing and who shouldn't and it's good that they had that adversity and blah 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 like I think that is possible it doesn't seem likely right now right because everybody's excited about the Sixers and you know when the Raptors are good they're good um so I, I think a lot of people are jumping off the Cavs bandwagon but like as as unimpressed as I am with their play, I'm still like big picture, not ready to write them off, which I, I realize is like a strange position, a pair of strange positions to have at the same time. But that's that's where I am. All right. I like it. I wouldn't have thought about the adversity angle. So good on you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last one, Philly, Miami. Um, this has been for me the funnest series in all of sports. Uh I just, I, I mean, I'm obviously a huge Sixers fan, so and this is, this, the, the way they've grown so quickly, it scares the shit out of me because I just mm-hmm. feel like the downturn is coming. But in the same breath, um, this season has been such a joy, and it's been so much fun that if they lose all the rest of their games, I'm completely content. I got way more out of this this basketball season than I ever expected. What do you think about this series? Is it? Is I it, don't. You're the Sixers fan. I want to ask you, like, go ahead. that last game. The way they were just like giving the ball to Miami players and saying, "Here, you have it." Like, did did you did well, you think there was a chance in in hell that they were going to come back and win that game? Here's the thing, no. <laughs> <laughs> As Brett Brown said in the in in the interview afterwards, he's like, "We had no right to be in that game." And this mm-hmm. this this is the thing about this team now, right? Like, they've grown up before our eyes. They've they've become a mature team overnight almost. Like adding those veterans in Bellinelli and Ilyasova, that's huge. They've both played really important roles in this team. Um, but you really have to speak about like Ben Simmons as a rookie, like just taking the moment on and, and Joel Embiid just like accepting this role and like just living in this spotlight and and flourishing in it has just been incredible. Like, of course, JJ Redick being there, being able to shoot. Dario Sarge is just an incredible basketball player that does not get enough credit because he's a little bit of slow afoot. But, like, they have a roster of guys who just, like, they seemingly love each other. They have great mm-hmm. chemistry, mm-hmm. and they just compete. Uh, I don't know how they won that game. Honestly, I was listening to it at work on my headphones, um, so I couldn't really. I just know that I was frustrating and frustrated and trying to keep it to myself while I'm working, so nobody would notice. And then, <laughs> and then when they did one win, I jumped out of my seat, like yeah, and I was like, oh, I got to sit back down. So nobody had any, any idea I was listening to it. Then <laughs> they jumped up. I scared everyone, and they thought I was crazy. So there's that. <laughs> Do you hate the Heat or just respect them for the way that they're like? 
basically embracing like bullying these young kids in the series. I'll say here's here's the thing. I do I respect the hell out of Dwayne Wade. He's been one of my favorite players for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, this series makes me hate him a little bit. Okay, uh, but the bullying thing it actually it get it here's a here's a take that I don't think anybody else has said. It actually gets me worried. I am so scared that somebody on the Sixers is legitimately going to get injured in this series. Like. It's been yeah. so physical, and Kelly Olynyk is on the court, so that scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, just just stay away from Embiid, no matter what. Stay away from Simmons and Embiid. Just please don't hurt them. And that's that's. But they've been doing an incredible job of making this this series like ugly. They've they've been jumping every passing lane. They've been getting in the guys just right up in their face. They're they're playing 94 feet. It's 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 got to be an exhausting series to be in, and through all of this, like Ben Simmons is unfazed. When when James Johnson was just like up in his face the other night, like black belt and karate and all that, I would have cowered. This is a big dude, but <laughs> like he nope nothing. You know Simmons just took it. Like he's so poised for a rookie, and of course he's twenty one years old. But man, I don't know. You have to give Brett Brown a ton of credit for how these guys play, how they stay together how they just approach the game and the, and the, the, I guess the maturity they're playing with. And, you know, I don't want to give them too much credit because I don't want to be like one of those, Oh, I'm, I'm a Sixers guy. and like, my team is incredible, but this team is fucking incredible, man. <laughs> they are. You should be that guy. <sighs> like they deserve all the hype they're getting. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, like a typical Philly fan. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like something is going to go wrong. Like something's going to happen. Um, so I'm just trying to enjoy the moment. Yeah, I th- I just think like if you're sort of talking about like who are the most like important or impressive or whatever, like the best players in the playoffs so far, like Simmons has to be way up at the top of that list. Like to me, it's like you're starting with like AD and Holiday and like Simmons is kind of up there with them. Like it's not even just the numbers and the numbers have been nuts. Like he got mm-hmm. that triple double. He should have had a triple double in the first game. But they took him um, out because they crushed them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's shooting really efficiently. I know, like they're mostly layups and floaters, but still. Uh, he had that one I, really nice fadeaway the other night. The one where he's like going through the lane, yep. and he's like turn. Yeah, I mean that. I put that in a story that I published this morning. Like that, the touch that he has on those shots leads me to believe like there's no way he's not going to be able to shoot at some point. Absolutely, like, and it's, it's a matter he, of you see like confidence when he feels like he can hit that shot. It almost seems like that should be automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And for him to do that in like the fourth quarter of a close game the way he did, I thought that was really impressive. And it's also like just the toughness that he has, like the defense that he plays, just how physical he is mm-hmm. um, in this environment. Like I like I would have given him a total pass if like he wasn't that great in this series and he was just like, oh, he's adjusting to um, not only the increased like scrutiny that you're under because every team scouts your plays and scouts your tendencies, but because you have this other team who like is pressuring him and like being really physical and trying to make him uncomfortable or daring him to shoot like whatever it is. Like I would have been like, like I've seen star players and guys who turned out to be stars, um, young players struggle in their first playoff appearance and use it as like, oh, this is something I'm gonna grow from. And him, mm-hmm. it's like him and and honestly Mitchell, like right, oh, you yeah. see them making adjustments in the middle of like a game right where like in the fourth quarter they're just like oh i i know what you've been doing the whole time and i'm just gonna either get a bucket or make sure my teammate does on like every possession like simmons controls games and yes he's had a couple of um instances where he's had like high turnover games and whatever including the the first half of the last game was bad um but then he calms down 
Yeah. They turned the ball over 26 times and still won that game. I have no idea how that happened. But that's... It was crazy. And it wasn't even like... like Embiid shot poorly and yeah. didn't really know what he was doing on offense unless he was drawing a foul. Like, it... There were a lot of things that went wrong. Like the Heat had a double-digit lead, like halfway through the fourth, the third quarter. Yep. Um, they were at home. It was. It was basically for their season, and the yeah. Sixers were just like, no, like we're 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 good. We're more talented than you. We're bigger than you. We're gonna grab every rebound. We're gonna stop gifting you extra possessions, and we're gonna win. And yeah. then that's what happened. And you know, you can't understate too, though. Like, yeah, Embiid was terrible. That was probably his worst offensive game ever. He had five blocks down the down the. And they could not do anything around the rim. Yeah, he was just, he, they're incredible. They're an incredible team. What do you think, real quick, last thing, and I know everybody's like all hyped about the Sixers and they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, possibly in the Finals. What do you think of the chances of this? Um, oh, sorry, I thought you were going to like give me a scenario. Yeah, maybe I, I, maybe I, I, I misread <laughs> the situation. Sorry, um, what do you think what, the chances of that happening are? Of, of, of them? Oh, okay, I think the Conference Finals, I at this point, like... I know uh, you are being a very good fan and saying that they could lose every game and you'd be okay with it. Like, yeah. I'm not even a Sixers fan, technically. I just love watching this group play. And I I would be disappointed if they didn't make the conference finals at this point. I think they are way better than the Celtics or the Bucks. I think they are way better than the Heat. I think it would be a, a really nice way to make a statement to to win the series in five um, if they could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Look, once you get to the conference finals, it's sort of a toss-up to me. Like, I don't, I don't think uh, they should be scared of any team in the East. I don't, I don't think they can win a championship this year. Right. But but you never know. But, Crazy shit. Happens. But I mean, <laughs> but but that's the thing. Like, there's there's teams that have won championships that I haven't thought would win championships. Right. And Dallas is the most recent one I can think. Dallas, of. Dallas. I mean, Dallas. I just I kept. I was like, how is this possible? How yeah. are they winning these games? Like, I just I didn't think it was going to happen. And by the way, um, I'm not comparing these two teams. I'm not comparing the championship Dallas team to the Sixers team. But yeah. But like, on, look at that roster though. Yeah. Is the talent that different? Like, I, I'm being serious here. Like, if you get to the finals, the reason why I say I don't think they can win the finals is because I think there are two teams in the West that are historically good that would be championship winners most years. They just both happen to be playing at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we're assuming they're playing one of those teams. I I don't think it, it can happen. Um, but if you manage to play one of those teams and their best player is hurt or something weird happens, like, yeah. then you never know. Like, that's, that's the... the great thing about getting to the finals is once you're there, it's like, it, there's only two teams. Like if, <laughs> if one team goes through something, like you can end up winning. Um, it's a 50, 50 chance. You have to put yeah. yourself in the position to win. That's, that's the whole game. Sure. So like I, 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 I would be shocked if they won a championship in like the first year of this. I don't think that is realistic, but I don't think it is crazy to imagine them getting there. Listen, I can't, I can't even imagine, but Oh my God, if it happened, i'm going on vacation immediately anyway james thank you so much for spending an hour and 20 minutes with me on my podcast i really don't want to go for three hours no i think we should probably cut it i gotta call my wife back uh (laughs) there's work stuff going on but listen you are absolutely welcome to come in and talk to me about basketball anytime you so desire um it's been a pleasure having you and thank you so much for your time tell everybody again where they can find you uh, it's at Outside the NBA on Twitter and uh, just CBSSports.com, the NBA section. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, and don't forget to spread the word about the Super Flight because now I'm your best friend. So just go tell everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, James. I'll let you go.
No problem. James Herbert, everyone. Thanks again, James, so much for coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge with all of my listeners. Uh, that's going to do it for me, guys. I'll talk to you next week.